0: So, Louise, welcome to the first guest on the Sales Transformation Podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, No, I think it's very relevant that you should be the first, um, you know, as the Academy Director at at the Consalia Business School. But I thought before we go into maybe some of the questions that we're going to cover, it would be quite good for the listener to know a little bit more about you and. Your background and how did you end up getting to this particular point as the academy director? Then we can move into you know, the topic that we're going to cover on this call, which is about the, the difference between sales training and sales education.
1: Okay. Um so I've had a career of two halves really. So the first half of my career, I studied geology and computing. My first job was with BP. Uh, as a computing geologist. And that really took me into a route of IT, project management and consultancy. So the first half of my career was very much in that space. And when I look back on it now and think about where I am now, it's, it's really interesting because developing computer systems for users makes you put the user at the heart of what you do. And I kind of think that's where I am now with students as I've moved into the second half of my career. So the second half of my career, I moved into learning and development. And and that transition happened primarily because I had my family and I wanted to work um, part time for a while and take an internal role in the consultancy organizations that I was working for. And so I moved from doing the consulting to thinking about the skills that the consultants needed and the the trends that were happening in our world and thinking about the interventions and the training that they needed. And as I made that transition, I thought this is what I should be doing. It was one of those fortuitous moments when I just thought this is the right career for me. I also took a couple of coaching qualifications, absolutely loved that, uh, realized again, it just fitted with my values. And so the second half of my career has really been about helping people achieve their potential, uh, and thinking about the right learnings that they need to help them thrive in their roles. So very much a career of two halves. My journey to Consalia came because the role before Consalia, I was working at Sony Mobile. And uh, in that role, I implemented, initiated a commercial academy. And as part of that commercial academy, we wanted a program for the top sales talent. And when we were looking for the right program, we came across Consalia and the Master's program in um, Sales Transformation. Brought that program into Sony Mobile as a global program, so we had students from around the world uh, involved in that program, and it was superb. And it produced incredible results. And um, you know, really, that sort of made me realize I love this program. I want to do more with this program. And here I am at Consalia now heading up the academy.
0: And so, yeah, so here you are. I mean, it's, um, you know, for us, I remember the first time we met you. Well, I I think you met Ian. Um, Ian helps, not me. Did. And um, yeah. we were running these events to promote the Masters. And it was quite hard because at that time, you know, the market was very undeveloped. We essentially created... Uh, this master's program, and we had a number of big, big clients kind of supporting it, um, who, who like Sony, sort of got huge amounts from it. People like you know Toshiba and SAP. So we knew it was a fabulous development journey for people in sales, uh, and we wanted to get the word out. And and so yes, we had these events that we hosted every now and then, and and you came to one, and you were the only one there, I think. There were three of us. Oh, were there three? There (laughs) were just very few. We actually wondered whether we should cancel it because there wasn't seemingly that much interest in what we were doing. But, you know, I remember Ian saying, should we do it? It's not very good. There's only three people there. Anyway, we did it. And thank goodness we did because, you know, we had the chance to meet with you, meet with the Sony team. And Sony, alongside some of the other corporates we had at the time, you know, sort of took it on board and um yeah that's you know i'm not sure that's where the the story started because if i if i look back and you know if we're looking at where the genesis is of where this all started i suppose you could say that it may have started a little bit from the doctorate that i did but it was it was not really that at the time it was it was hewlett-packard at the time who were part of my research focus and um, and they saw being on the receiving end of the research, the value it was generating. And they said, could you build a program for us? Could you create a master's for us? So if we sort of start to go back to the genesis of where this idea of professionalizing sales and sales education started, I, I would say that it probably started in, I don't know, and. Seven, two thousand eight, when we built that first program for Hewlett Packard, and uh, sort of seeing what it did for those I think only three graduates from that program, (laughs) to be honest, it started with three, three finished qualifying at least. And but you could see for those three the transformation you know that it made to themselves and their careers, and and so that was enough from my point of view, certainly, to kind of say this is something we should explore and try and build but it was it's been quite you know it's been quite hard as as you know <laughs> yeah uh, to do that but um i think what's um, clearly what's been a pivotal change in this journey was the whole apprenticeship initiative you know by the government and you know you clearly played a key role in that as well so I think it would be interesting to ask you some questions about how because I don't think I've ever asked you actually what was it like to chair that group of people
1: you know, the the group.
0: yeah it was So perhaps you could just share the journey that that you went on trying to get sales established as a profession working with the group that you did
1: Uh, Okay, so I'm going to answer the first question, which was, what was it like to to lead the Trailblazer group first? Because that was brilliant. Um, I loved it. I loved the fact that every time we went to the Trailblazer meetings, there were a group of people in there who had the same goal, shared the same passion, which was to professionalize sales and to develop the B2B sales apprenticeship. And every time you felt there was a shift and there was energy in the room. And that was just brilliant, fantastic group of people. We always move forward. Um, and I love that bit, but the journey was really, really hard. So the second part of your question, what was that like? It was really tough. And, um, you know, we started to develop the program as the government were, I guess, transitioning and developing their process to develop apprenticeships. And so we found that we had to keep changing what we were doing. So it took longer to develop the apprenticeship. And, you know, the the feeling of achievement, the feeling of relief when we got there was just huge. But I can remember the the day we had the first apprentices in the room at Middlesex, in in the training room at Middlesex, was just one of the best moments. Um, Seeing it really happen, realising that we were having that programme start and we were developing at the time, it was... Uh, 20 apprentices, just amazing, just amazing to see them come through the door. They were nervous, we were nervous, but how brilliant it was to, to get there. So, um, yeah, but it was a journey. It's a long journey.
0: <laughs> I, I, I would like to go back a little bit in a bit more detail on the journey, because I know that it was wonderful seeing those apprentices come into that uh, that room at the very beginning of the start of the apprenticeships. But now I think it might be quite interesting for the listener to understand the process that we went through to creating what's now become a level six undergraduate degree. You know, when you talk about pivotal moments, uh, Louise, uh, for me, one of the pivotal moments was the government sort of recognizing that we were a profession (laughs) and that therefore we could build a degree around it or we could build a qualification around it, And that was the first time um, that, you know, that, that was the first time ever that, a public body, a government body, had said, oh, we finally recognise that sales is up there. Um, But I think what was really good about working with the Trailblazer Group was that they were responsible for coming up with the knowledge, skills, behaviours, you know, the standards that such a degree programme had to be built around. And it was a, you know, it was a robust process. And um, so I'd be interested if you could just share some of the underpinning, you know, what do we have to do to get to the point that we could run the degree? And how did you get there? You know, how did that trailblazer group to you know come together to figure it all out?
1: OK, um, well, the first thing that we had to do and this was, uh, you know, we obviously had the the backing and we're working very closely with the Association of Professional Sales um, to, to do this was to put the, the bid into the government to develop an apprenticeship for a degree apprenticeship for the B2B sales professional. And so we put that in, um, I think it was in April, actually, April time. And that was a kind of a two month review process by the Institute for Apprenticeships. And then we got that bid approved. And as you say, that was amazing. So really we had to justify why there was a role, why there was an apprenticeship and the benefits that that would bring to the sector to get that approved by the government. And then we kicked off the Trailblazer Group in um, September and that was amazing. So the chair for our Trailblazer Group was Graham Davis, who was head of sales at Royal Mail at the time. And the government had, you know, guidelines for the the composition of the Trailblazer Group. So you had to have at least 12 members and two of them needed to be from small to medium-sized enterprises. So we had a a real mix of people in the room, which was fantastic from all sectors, all sizes of organisations. So we had Royal Mail, BT, British Aerospace, SIG. We had Whitbread, uh, Consalia were there. Um Kimberly so we had Clark. Kimberly Kimberly Clark. Clark. Yeah, yeah, Kimberly Clark. I should have written them down. <laughs> We're going back now, but yeah. So really good mix. And as you say, the first output from the Trailblazer group was to produce a two-sided A4 document of the knowledge, skills, and behaviors of a B2B sales professional. So how do you do that? How do you bring all of that knowledge from all of those experts, from all of the different sectors and put it onto two pages? Of course, we had representation from the universities uh, in the Trailblazer group and their input was so important to ensure that what we were putting into the Endpoint Assessment Plan in particular was something that could fit with the way that universities work in delivering their degrees and assessing their degrees. So that was the first challenge but as i say the whole momentum was there from everybody that they wanted it to work so we put some working principles together at the beginning on how we had to accept there would be compromises there were going to be some things that people weren't didn't necessarily happen in their organizations but they could see it was the right way generically for the sector Um, you know other working principles were that we just had to keep moving forward So if someone hadn't been at the meeting, they had to accept what had been agreed by those who were. So it was always about momentum and taking it forward. Um, And, you know, that first discussion on what are the knowledge, what are the knowledge and skills and behaviours from everybody? You know, we just had flip charts around the room. We got people talking, but we worked out um, that really, and in fact, it was Will Matthews, I think, who put this suggestion forward from BAE Systems that, Uh, we should just base it on a sales cycle. That was the best way to try and identify the knowledge, skills and behaviours across the group. Um, And once that decision had been made, it flowed. It flowed as the sales cycle flows. So we were able to start to identify them. Um, And that was an amazing, it was just an amazing meeting. I think within within three hours, we'd worked out the principles and we'd worked out a a kind of good draft of what the heading should be for the knowledge, skills and behaviours. And then people just took them away. We said, okay, you work out the detail of two of them, you work out the detail of the next two. And everybody kind of went away with their homework and came back and fed back what they felt the detail was beneath that knowledge heading, the skills heading. And we thrashed that through at the next meeting. So it was just always, let's keep moving it forward. And we finally got to two sides of A4 to define those knowledge, skills and behaviours for a B2B sales professional. And we submitted the standard in the um, December. So that was three months really, which is pretty good going, um, given the different views, different approaches. And as I say, just everybody in the room having their own context to try and merge that context into, into those two sides of A4. I still look at it sometimes and think, wow, how did we manage to do that? Because it is just on two sides of A4. So that was the first hurdle. We, they, or in fact, they call it a gateway. So the government approved that gateway. And then we had to define um, the next gateway was the uh, endpoint assessment plan. Much bigger document, much more detail. How are you going to evidence that the apprentice has met uh, the competencies that you've defined in those knowledge, skills and behaviours? And uh, we went through the same process, giving it out across the team. So it really was a a combined effort of getting the expert views from everybody in the room into that document. But that's the one that, that was really quite hard to do in terms of getting acceptance from the Institute for Apprenticeships because, as I say, their processes were merging and they were improving and shaping things as they went along. So that took a year. And at the same time, we had to apply for funding for the um, degree apprenticeship. That was, you know, disappointing because we were awarded funding of £21,000. You know, eventually we had to do quite a bit of appealing to get to that point. Um, And we just decided that we would move forward with the £21,000 because if we didn't get the programme started, we never would. We just had to accept that we had to work with that figure. Um, and we have, but it's tough, you know, but I feel certainly Consalia, Middlesex University, Consalia and Leeds Trinity University, we've, we've developed a programme that works, that's brilliant, that is producing some amazing B2B sales professionals. But yeah, quite a rigorous process, as you say, with approval points, gateways set by the government all the way. Actually, you just reminded me when you mentioned that, you know, the three years since the, the standard was, approved there is still the trailblazer group will still meet there, oh, is a great. Requirement, there is a requirement to meet every three years to check the relevancy of the standard to check okay. um you know so it's not like it's a one-off document that's parked yeah. it oh, will great. be up for review and so we will need to to bring everyone together again which will be great but it is about ensuring that the ksbs are are still the right KSVs um, and yeah. are still relevant. So that's a really good thing to, yeah. to know that's happening. Yeah, I mean,
0: it's it's interesting and, and possibly you don't know this, but, um, you know, we've shared that uh, knowledge, skills, and behaviours assessment with different organisations outside of the apprenticeship as well, when we've talked to them about our approach to sales development. And it it's very robust. I mean, there's nothing in it that you can really challenge. So I think the... Now, whilst it was a painful process, I think the the fact it was done so collaboratively, it's obviously stood the test of the universities as well as you know the employers. You know, it, it it speaks a lot for the quality of work that took place at the time. So yeah, fantastic. So we then created the first undergraduate degree. We had a couple of corporates who had decided to you know, to pilot this programme. I don't know if the first cohort was a pilot, but um, but maybe you could just talk briefly about the journey since uh, since it was launched. You, you spoke about that very first one, but I think we're in a slightly different place now to, to where we were at the very beginning.
1: Yeah, so we now have, I think, eight cohorts running at the moment, which is brilliant. And we have Uh, yeah probably about 150 apprentices in total on the b2b sales professional apprenticeship which is just great Um, you talk about that first cohort perhaps being the pilot cohort I call them the pioneering cohort you know they have been pioneers they've gone through the journey with us as we've launched that program you know every module that we've delivered is the first time we've delivered that module with them And so there are definitely going to be improvements that we can make, um, things that we know really work, things that we could just tweak a little bit. And the apprentices have been fantastic in in going on that pioneering journey with us. They'll be graduating next spring. They'll finish their last uh, assessment at the end of January, and then they'll have their endpoint assessment in February. So they really have, as I say, been a pioneering cohort. And I do think that cohorts two, three to eight and and onwards will benefit from the learnings that we took Mm -hmm. from that. Um, That said, you know, they are really successful students and salespeople. So it's been a, a good journey for them. But yeah, we have always put the student at the heart. I've always, you know, my mission, as you know, Phil, is is always about the student experience and making sure that we make it work for them. And that's been absolutely key in any of the reviews from every module, from every year, just from you know any discussions that we have, how can we really ensure that we're providing the, the best student experience we can within the programme? So, yeah.
0: We've also, you know, it's not just the undergraduate degree, but since we launched that, we've now started focusing on the senior leader degree as well so you know perhaps you could just say a few words about how that came about
1: yeah yeah Yeah, no we'll do and uh, I do just want to say there's obviously the the level four sales executive apprenticeship that we supported as well Mm. the development of that and work with the APS to get that one approved which um, is good but yeah the sales leaders uh, senior sales leadership apprenticeship is a master's program um, you mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast that uh, master's level programs were the first ones that Consalia developed. And we knew we had, uh, you know, flagship master's program, the one we brought into Sony and the leadership program running with SAP and Toshiba. We knew we had an amazing program there that worked for sales leaders. And so we wanted to bring the best of that into the apprenticeship program, aligning it to the senior leader standard, which had been approved by the government, going through exactly the same process as the one I described for the level six B2B sales professional. It's really important that the sales leaders move with the apprentices. You know, we were realizing that we were developing some fantastic Level six apprentices, and that many of their managers were saying, Look, we'd like to do a program too. We'd like to get involved with this. We can really see the benefit of the learnings that they're getting, and we want to be a part of that. And so that was the opportunity then to develop the master's apprenticeship, the senior leaders apprenticeship. And it's great because apprenticeships, you know, they At the heart of the programs, we've got the transferable skills. So, yes, we're helping with sales leadership. We're passing on that knowledge. But the big thing about the education is that it's, I guess, it's multi-dimensional. in that the learning doesn't just come from us. It comes from their workplace, their reading, their peers. It's going to come from events that they attend. But it also comes through the reflective practice, which is really at the core of all of our programs, So we're helping them to take meaning from their experiences, take meaning from their experiences as a sales leader or as a B2B sales professional and analyze what's happened, reflect on what's happened and then really draw out what they've learned. And that's what the education piece is about rather than the training, that it's multifaceted, that they take this learning from many different places and we help them pull all of that together into their work-based projects and the managers and the leaders could see that happening with our b2b sales apprenticeships and so they wanted a piece of that too we now have three cohorts on the senior sales leadership program with another one starting in november so yeah that one's also picking up pace and um great great results again yeah
0: it is so yeah no just a fabulous story i think there's there will be maybe approaching or over 300 enrolled students if you look across all of the exec masters as well as the apprenticeship programs by early next year which is quite considerable so yes a growing body of educated people in sales and I think sales has always viewed education with a certain degree of cynicism the term to it's too academic is Mm -hmm. sometimes used when we talk to different clients, uh, depending on their perspectives, of course. And I think the next bit of the podcast that I'd like to talk about are the the sort of merits of sales training versus sales education. I mean the the difference between you know what what is the difference between the two? Uh, do the two coexist? So. If you were to look back now on what our learnings have been through, those coming through the educational side in particular, what would you say would be the key benefits of looking at the development of salespeople through an educational lens as opposed through to a training
1: lens? So the development of salespeople through an educational lens. Just as you were talking, Phil, um, this, this phrase popped into my head, which actually came from one of our sony students and the the education lens i think he just sums it up he talked about how and this was after his first project the first module and he said you're making me challenge the thinking behind my thinking and that's what the education bit does because we're asking them to go away and as i said you know to reflect and to read and to talk to people and it's collaborative what do you think about this? And you start to search for different viewpoints and ideas to see what's right for what you're trying to do with your team or within your organization. And that's the educational piece, not to just kind of take what you're given, but to really think about it and check that it fits your context. And that's the difference between the education piece and the training. The training is almost from the trainer to the delicate, Try that see if it works, this is what we think is best practice, but the world is changing every single day and what's right today might not be right tomorrow and we're learning that faster than ever at the minute. So if we can give through the education piece that the students the ability to really critically think and just check in with themselves and check in with others that what they're doing is, is right now because it was right yesterday, it doesn't mean it's right now we're giving them that ability to really think and, and they're the transferable skills. They're the skills that are gonna take them forward to be successful today and tomorrow. And that's the difference, that we're really getting them to think in the in the wider world and think about context and, um, and just critique what's happening and reflect on what's happening.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting. There's a couple of thoughts that sort of flow into my mind. One, a personal one, which goes right back to my very first sort of sales job. And I remember, that my sales training at the time was was learning a complete script you know i i literally I sat down with a with a flip chart board and i went through page after page and i had certain questions i had to ask as before i went from page 1 to page 2 and my training was very much on perfecting the script then it kind of moved on it wasn't so much much sort of you know if i look at the sales training world it moved on to learning different techniques and different methods. There's still a high degree of script involved, though, even down to the way you would phrase your what, what was called silver bullets, you know, how do you sell the key features of your products and services? So the approach to sales training historically has kind of gradually shifted, I think, from this highly scripted, highly product focused approach over the years to perhaps more a consultative approach. Um, but this this notion of reflective practice, you know, is the new one to sales. You know, I think we've all always said it's, uh, it's one of the critical skills that anyone needs right now is the ability to think. You know, so what you were you know, saying about education is absolutely, I think, kind of spot on. But, what for me is quite interesting because we we we've been doing you know a bit of an experiment this year with one of our clients. He said, "Can we take the kind of framework of the masters and deliver that content in a non-masters environment?" So we'd like you to you know we'd like the knowledge and skills that you impart. We'd like you to challenge our thinking. We would love the Kind of peer learning, the coaching that goes on with peer learning. We like the idea of assessment. We want you to get them to, you know, we want the students to be assessed as part of a journey, not to a master's level, but to a certificate level. And, you know, we're beginning to now be able to evaluate the change that you see in people over that journey and compare it, you know, to what they would get if they'd done a master's course doing a two-year master's degree is very different to doing a six-month training program you know so you you know that you're limited with time and Mm. content and everything else but there is i think there is for me there's the it's not just teaching them reflective practice but it's actually you know it's personal currency it's knowing that when you go through this journey, your work is going to be assessed, and you are going to end up as a master in leading sales transformation, or you're going to end up with a, an undergraduate degree, yeah, which has been assessed by a university. And, and that personal currency is hugely important. So, I don't know, you know, don't know what your thoughts are, you know, to what if we're looking at improving sales performance, which at the end of the day is what this is all about. You're wanting to help clients improve the sales performance of their salespeople and individuals want to improve their sales performance. What's the magic that you get from education that makes people transform so much? Because there's there's no question, people do change. (laughs) They do transform. They end up different people at the end of a program. I think it's very difficult to do that with training. I, I I I don't know what you think.
1: Yeah, no, it is very difficult to do that in in training. And I think, you know, training may be digital training or it may be a two day training program. I mean, they're they're short and sharp, and they have a very clear focus on the content that they're trying to pass on to the to the delegate or the student. I, I guess one of the differences is clearly. With education, it's over time and um, we are really encouraging people to 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 critique and challenge and make sure things are relevant. We have more time, perhaps, to talk to them about the, the nuances of their customers. And, you know, when you talked about consultative selling, you know, customers are becoming much more sophisticated. And so we can really bring their, as I say, their context, their customers into their education what are their customers doing so what do they need to do so it becomes relevant and applicable to to their world and i think that's where some of the transformation happens because they're given the opportunity to really delve into their customer's world as well as think about themselves and what they're trying to achieve for their organization and i think it's having the the time to do that and some of the students, you know, they go away and talk to their customers. What do you like about what we do, and what 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 could we do better? And and really hearing that, and you know, and you and Sally have the voice of the customer videos and content that we have. But when students do that for themselves and talk to their own customers, um, or try something with their customers who feedback that that's you know thank you that really helped and really appreciated that, or by actually bringing in their customers' world into their program. That's what helps them transform. So it's the reflection and having that opportunity to bring their customers into their thinking in a much deeper way than you would in a training program and having a time to do that.
0: If you took away the endpoint assessment and if you took away the actual degree, to what extent do you think that would have but it kept everything else the same? To what extent do you think that would affect their performance?
1: It would, it would impact some of their motivation, I think, because as you say, there's a real pride, that personal currency in achieving a degree. Uh, and in fact, you know, one of one of our um, apprentices spoke to me the other day and they said, uh, is there going to be a graduation ceremony? And I said, yes. Is it exactly like the other students at the university? I said, absolutely. You're taking a degree. And she said, we, you know, I'm the first person in my family to do this. I, you know, as much as I want to do it for me, I want my mum to have that photograph of me on the wall graduating. And, you know, you could hear the pride almost bursting out of it because they're in their third year. And it's so important for them to have um, recognition of the hard work and the achievements that they've made during that programme. So absolutely, I think it's it's a big part of mm. the apprenticeship program is to have that integrated degree and the and the master's accreditation at the end. Huge part to the students. Um, yes, they love the learning, but they really want that recognition.
0: Yeah, I'm showing how amateur I am at podcasts. I've just knocked over my my microphone. Please. <laughs> <laughs> um, no it's 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 it, I, I think it's massively important actually that that sort of end uh goal and I, it, um and what i found with salespeople this is a theory that I have is they're naturally competitive you know in what they do they don't just want to pass but actually there's quite a lot of i i want to pass well you know I've certainly yes. seen that yeah. through the masters mm. and I remember when i when I got my my doctorate and i I, I know you're starting on your uh doctorate as well now louise which is great um is uh i remember sort of doing the viva and i would say, okay you've you've kind of yeah well done you've passed and i i remember saying well how well did i pass yeah <laughs> was it a good pass or a bad pass you know and i think that's the nature of being competitive you know we've got that element in it and, and i actually think that certainly speaking to the university and and the academics there that I think they feel that the students coming through our programs are actually fantastic. You know, they love working with them because they, they're quite challenging and they really want to learn and they really want to do well. So I think it, in a way, academia lends itself to the sales profession because they want to do well.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, without a doubt, they are uh, very competitive definitely want to get the best grades they can. I have many calls saying, how can I, how can I up my grades? What do I need to do? You know, even when they're even when they're in the two top two, one and first, what else can I do? <laughs> and you're thinking, you're doing so well. But yeah, they just want to keep doing more. Um yeah. And, and yeah, and graduate with the best the best grade they can. Yeah.
0: Well I'm super excited about about the journey as you know and um you know, it's just incredible to see how much, you know, has transpired in in the three years, I think, that we had that first government announcement kind of made that we could start on this journey. And who would have thought now that we've got so many, you know, sort of coming through the programme. And it's great to see some other universities now opening up as well. You know, I think it's, it shows that there's a market there. And, UK is a long way behind USA as far as the undergraduate programs are concerned, but we're a long way ahead of the USA as far as the masters is concerned. Uh, So, globally, hopefully, we can become a center of excellence around this particular topic. Well, I think we're probably nearing our time uh, for this podcast. Louise, thank you so much uh, for joining. I think it's been great to. relive some of the memories and and kind of reflect on what's been achieved um but uh, thanks very much for taking part lovely thank you now i hope you enjoyed hearing a bit about the history of the consalia sales business school as well as developing a brief understanding around the differences between sales training and sales education i want to say thanks again to louise for taking part Now, if you found the podcast interesting, please share this with at least one other salesperson that you know. We would uh, very much appreciate the message being out there. Thank you very much.